and welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. And Creepy World. Yes. Woo-hoo. Yes. Here we yes. go. We're here. Yes. So exciting. Ugh. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't help it. I'm excited. This is a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do we have any business we need to talk about? Any? No, just if you're in the mood for, you know, still overpriced crap, Hustlers having a clearance sale in the parking lot. <laughs> Classy. I know. I know. It looked like I cannot, I cannot express to you how bad it was Friday. <laughs> like. painted quite a good picture of. Uh, oh, yeah what's going on oh yeah uh yeah let me just say that i don't like i haven't had a moment of just pure absolute horror like the moment when that big sign (laughs) that was it's like one of those standing like signs out in front of a restaurant only it's pretty big and it's like folded out so it stands up and it just like it didn't like fall over it didn't like push itself together it just scooted across the parking lot right at that kid like right at it like right at her like and I I mean there was nothing like I was in the store even if I had been like Usain Bolt I couldn't have done anything right Like, like there wasn't anything I could do like at that point you know she was either a goner or she wasn't like there was like like probably saw her life i mean it was like i it was like it was stunning it was (laughs) it was shocking and it stopped just like maybe a foot away from her And and like she like i saw i was like well maybe i kind of and making this a little worse than it is and I saw her mom like grab her and hold her and I was like maybe I'm not making this worse than it is yeah hmm yeah the first time the tent the first time that the blue tent flew away if it hadn't gotten caught on the racks of clothing it would have been into it would have been into the quality in parking lot easily like it was it was sailing that just sounds like a shit show oh oh, i mean it was you know yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah and then we kept and then they brought in one of the car one of the racks because they couldn't keep it from falling over because it was so (laughs) top heavy and it had like dresses and pants and stuff so it was really catching the wind really good And so it kept falling over. That was the one that that like Tiffany had hold of it, and it just like at one point it all flew over with her, like. And then Mandy, just, like, I'm yeah, I'm sad. Yeah, I'm sad. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because I looked up and there she was on the ground. <laughs> I was like, well. 
And then Mandy just like dragged it in and she was so mad. She was like, I'm done with this thing. And I was like, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know what? You, you do you. <laughs> so yeah. And then almost getting like, I felt like I was almost got assaulted. Like I was about to get assaulted by that guy's girl or that girl's boyfriend. Oh that yeah, woman's boyfriend. So yeah, it was quite the it was quite the day. It was quite the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, and, this is yeah going to be a much more enjoyable uh, time for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, the deaths of nine people are going to be yeah. so much happier. Yeah, happier for me. I know. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, cuddle on in. And I am. Oh no, I'm cuddled. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm all. I'm all excited. I'm all like in the chair. I got my little teddy bear. I got my uh, my blankie. I'm all set. I'm hanging out in a lawn chair that won't break on me this time. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, here we go. Yeah. We are going to be talking about the Diablo Pass incident on our Russian vacation. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, on January 27, 1959, Igor Dyatlov, a 23-year-old radio engineering student from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, led his team of experienced hikers on their expedition across the Ural Mountains. They were all level two hikers, and this expedition was going to make them a level three. Three was the highest and required a 300-kilometer trip, which in American is 190 miles. Boo. Um... Going I mean, on. I'm just I'm booing I'm booing 300 mile hikes. I'm not booing them. Don't oh worry. yeah, 190. Yeah, no. Thank you. No, nothing. Um, so on this expedition were Igor Dyatlov, of course. Uh, he was born on January 13th, 1936. Um, a little bit about him. When he finished seventh grade, he was starting to take hikes with his brother. Uh, he brought a handmade radio, um, a handmade portable radio with oh, him wow. on one of the And That's he cool. became involved in mountaineering life almost immediately after he started at UPI. Okay. So he was a, he was a smart yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, radios. handmade radio, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was known for being thorough and carrying out any tasks. Okay. He was in great shape. He was a balanced character. He had a friendly attitude. He did any job sensibly and well. Um, while the group was in Dijay, he sent a postcard to his father, which read, quote, Hello, everyone. Today, 26, we leave on the bridge. We arrived well on February 12, 15. I will visit... Here we go. I'm gonna start butchering stuff. Sverdlovsk. Oh, Sverdlovsk. Yes, Sverdlovsk. Yeah. I probably will not go home, so let Rufa bring Lennon to our room for a trip to Penza. From there, I will return on March fifth to the seventh. Greetings, Igor. 
Now, I'm going to put the huge disclaimer here that I'm trusting translations from Russian that I'm I didn't translate myself, but I'm whoever wrote Okay. I mean, uh, I would trust them, you know. I, yeah, that's where I got a lot of this information. So I, I trust them. Um, there was also Yuri Doroshenko, who was 21. Um, he was born on January 29, 1938. He was a fourth year student at UPI. He had an impulsive personality and came from a poor family. He had dated Zina Komorgova, who was one of the other members on this expedition. Once while on a camping trip, Zina noticed a bear coming towards the camp, and Yuri chased it off with a geology hammer. <laughs> and that was the day she fell in love with him. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, he even met her parents. Oh. But it didn't work out for those two crazy kids. It did not. I don't even really... It didn't really even go into what happened between them. Oh. There was Ludmila Dubinina. Or Luda. She was 20 years old. And was born on May 12th, 1938. She was in the student committee. She was good at sports. And was the youngest member of the team. Okay. Um, she was a fourth year student at UPI and was in the sports club, obviously. Uh, she had a lot of mountain experience. Hmm. Once while hiking the Eastern Scion Mountains in 1957, she was accidentally shot in the leg. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but she carried on. Well, okay. Uh, she was 20 years old when she died and was buried on her 21st birthday. Oh. Which made me really sad. And I yeah, really. Put that in there. Um, there also, was like, so she was 20 and you said she was the youngest. Like, yep. So, like, none of these people were, like, kids, really. Like, no. They, they were all, like, pretty experienced people. Mm-hmm. And they've been hiking for a while right like i don't think a level two hiker was anything to and nothing to sneeze at no 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 which but i'll, I'll get into it i listened yeah. to another podcast that kind of take me off about that subject oh, um, i want to hear about it hmm. uh there is Giorli or yuri Privonchenko. he was 23 years old was born on February 7th, 1935. He was a good friend of Igor Dyatlov and went on a lot of hiking expeditions with him. He was usually the life of the party and friends called him Yuri. On September 29th, 1957, he was sent to help clean up a plutonium plant that had experienced a radioactive leak. Hmm. On January 24th, they got sent into Sirov and he was detained by police for singing loudly in a public place. And he was also using his hat to ask for money. Uh, this was because he had wanted some money to buy breakfast at a cafe. But uh, Duda, the treasurer, 
said no. Yeah. So he took off his hat and started like singing around, joking and asking for money. Uh. But yeah, Aww. it wasn't allowed. Yeah. Um, there was also Alexander Kolotov. He was 24 years old. Was born on September, November 16th, sorry, 1934. And was the fifth of six kids. Uh, when the war started in 1941, the camp his family was living in became one of the first German camps. Oh. When he was almost 10, his dad died. Uh, he was found dead on a railway line and there was no investigation. Oh. He, his sister, and his mother stayed in the camp and there was no food and his mom was sick. So his sister got a job teaching and all three of them lived in a tiny one-room apartment that she got along with the job. He did not get good grades and the only good grades he got were in German. He didn't study well the first two years of college, but all that changed when he joined the Komsol. I don't know what that was. And his grades went up. Oh. Six months before graduation, he passed a security check in Moscow to work in the Secret Institute Ministry of Medium Machine Building. Okay. So, I think he was one of the ones that was in the uh, KGB. Oh. Is what that meant. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Oh. Huh. Yeah. Uh, there was Zenaida Komorgova, or Zaina. She was 22. She was born on January 12, 1937. She was a fifth-year student at UPI as a radio engineering major, and she was also an experienced hiker. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. 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 Uh, she was once bitten by a viper Ooh. while on a hike nope. and refused to lighten her load because she didn't want to make it any more difficult for anyone else. Aww. She was very well liked. Uh, Yuri Yudin said of her, quote, everywhere she went, she filled the place with the pleasant breath of her soul. Oh. Which is just about the nicest thing I have ever heard anyone say about anyone. Yeah. I hope they put that on her tombstone or whatever. I hope they did too. Really lovely. Yeah. Uh, She also sent a letter home while they were in Vichy. Okay. It said, quote, Hello, my dear mom, dad, Tom, Galia, and Lucia. Greetings to you from Zena. Well, I'm away from you again. Now we are in Sarov. We have a transfer here, and I am writing to you. Well, how is life? Anything new? We are going camping. A group of ten people. The group is good. At the plant, everything is okay. They let me go. I have all the clothes I need, so do not worry about me. How do you live? Write to me in Vichay. I am looking forward to it. Has the cow calved yet? I love milk. That's my horror. Oh, I love milk. 
my God. How is the dad's health? Moms, how are, how are Galia and Lucia doing at school? Oh. Lucia, try not to have C's this semester. <sighs> um, and Galia, turn D's into D's in sports to C's. Spend more time on the skis and you need to run more. See you soon and goodbye. Big kisses to you all. Your Zena. Aww. Right to me. I am looking forward to it. Best 26 slash 59. That's oh, so sad. Oh, can you imagine they were probably writing to her this whole time? She probably had like all these letters mm-hmm. like full of all love and funny stuff and all that. And she's never going to get to see. Yeah. Oh. She never got to know if that cow calf. No. Uh, there was also Rustem Slobodin. He was 23 years old, born on January 11th, 1936. He was a good athlete and a risk taker, and he liked to play the mandolin and brought it with him on a lot of the hiking trips. Oh. That's all I have on him. Um, there was Nikolai Thibodeau Brignol. Okay. Who was 23 years old. He was born on July 5th, 1937, and was the son of a French communist. He graduated UPI in 1959 with a civil engineering degree. Okay. Uh, he was also an experienced hiker and went on many hiking expeditions. Okay. There was Semyon Zoltarov, who was born on February 2nd, 1921. He graduated from the Institute of Physical Education in 1950 and was the oldest and most mysterious member of the group. Oh, so this was the KGB guy. Uh-huh. He by Stasha. He was a member of the armed forces and went through the war from October 1941 to May 1946. Okay. He joined the party after the war. Like, the party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, he had four military awards and went to school afterwards. Um, this was interesting. In 2018, his family requested that his body be exhumed for IDing purposes. Okay. This was because there were tattoos on his arms that nobody in his family recognized. They used his oh. niece. Mm-hmm. Oh. They used his niece's DNA to compare against because that was the only living relative. And it was right. the niece on his sister's side. Right. Um, it was determined that, quote, the blood relationship on the maternal line is excluded. End quote. Okay. There was a second DNA test that concluded that the DNA did match, but there is speculation that his brother, who worked with the Germans and disappeared during the war, was actually buried in the spot where Sasha oh, wow. was. Yeah. Uh, 
An idea was tossed around that he was a plant and that he was rescued after the incident. Oh. Yes. Wow. And rounding up um, the group was Yuri Yudin, who was the only survivor of the bunch. I couldn't really find much about him or his upbringing, but we'll hear from him again. So, there's our... That's our cast of characters. That's our cast of characters. You read my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, The plan was to explore the slopes of Gora Oroten. Diatlov was also going to send a telegram back home when they made it to the Bichet on February 12th. Before the real tough part of the trip, on January 28th, Yuri Yudin left the group because of health issues. And again, he would be the only one to survive. And what happened is known uh, as... Um, like one of the most mysterious things right ever in Russia yeah um, they kind of pieced together what happened from photos that were developed on film rolls that they had found at the scene on February 2nd they made camp on the slopes of Kolot Saikil um, called such by the Mansi tribe it roughly translates to Death Mountain, or my favorite, Mountain of the Dead. <laughs> I've also oh. heard Don't Go There. Don't Go There, well. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The location that they kind of camped out was weird because they were only a mile from the tree line. Right. Uh, yeah, no you- one can, like, I don't think anybody can figure out why they pitched a tent on the side of a mountain. Right. Well, like, Yudin had an idea that Dyatlov probably didn't want to lose the distance and made the decision to practice camping on a mountain slope. Which still doesn't really make much sense to me, but yeah. You know. Well, I mean, in that kind of conditions, like let's practice Let's practice um, camping on a mountainside in better weather, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah. Um, so when February 12th came around and there was no telegram, uh, his family didn't worry too, too much because he had told them that the trip may run late. Uh, but when February 20th came around... Ooh there was still no sign of them they started to get concerned it wasn't it wouldn't be until february 26th that rescuers found the abandoned camp and they were baffled at what they saw Mm -hmm. the tents were collapsed and half buried in snow the tents had been cut open from the inside the gear had been abandoned There were also eight or nine sets of footprints heading for the train line. And from the looks of the prints, some were just in socks and others were barefoot. So they got up and booked it into waist-deep snow for no apparent reason. 
Yeah. The first members of the team that were discovered were Yuri Krivonchenko and Yuri Doroshenko. And, oh crap, I didn't think I'd make it this far. <laughs> Let me uh, get to my notes on them and how they were found. Okay. Yuri Doroshenko was found facing down. And Krivonshenko was found facing up. Doroshenko had burns on on his foot. Wait, what? He had burns on his foot. I'm. I okay. Yeah. Uh, Was there evidence that they actually got a fire lit? I don't think so. Well, okay. Um, Krivonshenko had burns on his left leg and foot. Okay. Both had bruises and abrasions on their hands. Um, the way Doroshenko was found doesn't match the liver mortis on his back. And liver mortis is the pooling of blood in the body due to gravity and the lack of blood circulation. As a result of the cessation oh. of cardiac activity. Yeah. Blood pools to the lowest point of the body. Right. And that's not where his blood had pooled. Oh my. Which means that the bodies were placed that way. Yeah. After they had also, Yeah, after after some time. Yeah. Too. Like, so they died. Um the bodies had time to like the the blood had time to like pool enough and then they were moved into a different position. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um they had also been covered with a blanket. What what? So they believed that their teammates had placed them. And oh. Uh, the had moss and pine needles in his hair. Uh, the right side was burned. Blood covering his ear, nose, and lips. Mm. He had a swollen upper lip. Huh. Gray foam covering his right cheek soft tissue. Gray liquid coming from his mouth. Oh. Most likely from pulmonary edema. There were two cuts on his inner right shoulder. No bleeding in the tissues. A two by 1.5 centimeter bruise on his right armpit. Three bruises on the upper right forearm. They were four by one centimeter, 2.5 by 1.5 centimeters, and five by five centimeters. Uh, Swelling and small abrasions on back of right hand soft tissue. Severe frostbite on all fingers and toes. They would have had to have been removed if he had survived. (gasps) Uh, There were abrasions on his left shoulder and elbow. Bruising on both shins. And also, I thought this was interesting, had less urine in his bladder than you would if you had froze to death. Huh. Yes. He only Weird. had 
50 cubic centimeters of urine. And I think it said that the usual one is like 1500 or something crazy like that if you freeze to death because your body just kind of stops. Yeah. Uh, I don't huh. Um, wow. It meant that his body was still trying to fight the cold when he died. Whoa. Uh, the gray foam was speculated to have been caused by something heavy on his chest before death. Ooh. Or a fall from a tree. Oh. Or one of my top theories, which we'll dig into deeper later, Stone's secret police interrogating. <gasps> they like to put heavy things on people's chests as a method of interrogation. Yikes. Despite all of this, his cause of death was listed as hypothermia. Uh, uh, You you sound a bit like Atticus there, but. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm a little more doubtful than Atticus is right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was hypothermia. Uh, no. But let's carry on. Yeah. Kivonchenko's <laughs> autopsy okay. revealed that he had bruising on his forehead around okay. the left temporal bone. Okay. I sent you that uh, bone for the face. Uh, yeah. He had and bruising around the left hormone and on his left butt cheek. Hmm. Okay. He had diffuse bleeding in the right temporal and occipital area. Skin from his right hand was found in his mouth. So he bit off a piece of his own hand. Yeah. Um, abrasions on the right side of his chest, ribs, left wrist, in front of the front of the right femur and tibia. Front inner left thigh, right shin. He had frostbitten ears. He was missing the tip of his nose. No blood, so it was probably postmortem by an animal or something. Which I don't know what animal would just. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's the tastiest part of people, and we just don't realize it. Don't know it. (laughs) Yeah, we just don't know it. Well, Dahmer probably knew it. Oh, yeah, he did. Uh, The back of his right hand was swollen. Hmm. The fingertips on his right hand had minor abrasions. He had edema on his left foot and a a burn in that same area. Uh, Left foot was peeling in the back, and the second toe was charred. Uh, Three wounds with sharp edges. Edges. Hang on. Oh, nope. Didn't have to sneeze. Um, left foot was peeling in the back and the second toe was hard. Three wounds with sharp edges on the left inner upper hip. Two linear lesions with straight edges and sharp corners about 0.3 centimeters deep on the left inner upper thigh. And he had 500 cubic centimeters of urine in his bladder. Mm. 
the skin on his hand could have been from him trying to stay awake or possibly to siphon a scream. Yeah, exactly. His cause of death was also listed <laughs> as can you guess? Um, hypothermia is what I'm hypothermia. Say. Yeah. That's it exactly. Okay, so but I okay, so when you were reading that, I did not hear any mention of like frostbitten appendages, though. Nope. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Huh. Well. My notes are a mess. I apologize, everyone. Um, so the Yuris were found a mile from the tree line under a pine tree. Okay. The footprints stop about halfway between the camp and where the bodies were found. But that is most likely because of the weather. Both men were only in their underwear. There were uh, branches high up in the tree that were broken, looking like someone had tried to climb up into the tree to orient themselves. And there was also remains of a fire. Okay. Between the camp and the pine, they found the bodies of Igor Dyatlov, Zenaida Komorogova, and Rustim Slobodin. Uh, Igor Dyatlov's autopsy. Uh, he had... Yudin's sleeveless fur vest on, which Yudin had given to Doroshenko. He was wearing a blue sweater, long sleeve red shirt with streptocide in the breast pocket, unopened, a blue sleeveless singlet, ski pants over pants, a cotton sock on his left foot, a wool sock on his right foot, his watch had stopped at 5.31. Which I don't know why, but the whole watch stopping and a certain time thing really freaked me out. Yeah. Um, also, do we, as, do we even know whether it was a.m. or p.m.? No. It would probably be... God, I don't know. Cause do they use military time? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, if they did, we would know which one it was for sure. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. I know. I'll I'll be no, I'll be thinking about all of this later on tonight. (laughs) Well, this Um, afternoon too, because I mean this is just like everything about this, nothing about this makes any sense. No. None. As far as his injuries went, he had abrasions on his forehead, his upper eyelids, above his left eyebrow, both cheeks. There were more on the left cheek, though. Um, Ankles caused by hemorrhage. There was bruising on his knees, but no bleeding into underlying tissues. There was bruising on his right hand knuckles, like you would use to punch people. 
Exactly. Um, and there was bruising on his left hand. The back side of his right hand had discoloration. There were scratches on his right lower forearm and his palm. Uh, there was an incision on his lower right tibia, dried blood on his lips, and had a thousand cubic centimeters of urine in his bladder. Cause of death was hypothermia. Got it. <laughs> Funny how these work, right? Yeah. Uh, Zenaida Morogova was found face down with her head towards the tent. She was the best dressed found so far. She had two hats, a long sleeve undershirt, a sweater, trousers, a checkered shirt, another sweater with a tear, sports pants, ski pants, three pairs of socks. There were two thin ones and one was made of wool and no shoes. Hmm. They found a military style mask and three rubles on her. In her injuries, uh, she had abrasions to her right frontal eminence, upper eyelids, her left cheekbone, back of both hands, bruising on the right side of her face, a 29 by 6 centimeter bruise on the lumbar region of her right side of the torso. Uh, Looks like it was caused by a baton. Oh. Uh, A graze on the bridge and tip of her nose. Uh, Wound with jagged edges on the back of right hand at the base of the third finger. Uh, missing skin. There was frostbite on her fingers, and she had 300 cubic meters, cubic centimeters of urine in her bladder, which seems low, you know. Mm-hmm. But her cause of death was also listed as hypothermia. Yes. And Ruth Steams the Bowden. Uh, so that was the next one found, right? My notes are a mess. Because you've got Diatlov and then the girl and then, then, yeah. Okay. He was found on March 5th. He was found face down, head towards the tent, covered in snow. And he was even better dressed than the lady Bob before him. He had a long sleeve undershirt, a shirt, a sweater, two pairs of pants, four pairs of socks, and one felt boot on his right foot. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, on them, on him, they found two shoe insoles, which I would have put in the socks. I mean... And they, like, I might makeshift shoe, you know? Yeah, really. I don't know how much it would have helped, but at that point... Something is better than nothing. Yeah, really. I don't know. None of this. That's what's so frustrating. None of this makes any sense. None None. of it. None. Like, do you notice how many hand injuries there are? There are. You're a lot of hand injuries. Hand injuries. 
Which, you know what you use your hands for a lot? Fighting and fighting off people. Defending yourself. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Which is what I think is a lot of what happened, but that's beside the point. Uh, they also found 310 rubles, a passport, a small pocket knife, a passport. Pencil. Yeah, a passport. Passport. Yep, they found his passport. Was he uh, just using it as like identification, like some people do? Possibly. Or was he planning something? Who knows? <laughs> uh, a pen, a comb, and a plastic sleeve. A box of 48 matches and a cotton sock. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, His injuries, he had hemorrhages in the temporalis muscles, abrasions uh, to his forehead, both sides of his face, along with swelling. There were scratches. He had bruises on his upper right eyelid with hemorrhage to underlying tissues. Oh, wait, no, that was Dyatlov. Oh, wait, no. Knuckles, like you would get from a fight, which Igor Dyatlov had too. Yeah, exactly. So, maybe they were punching each other. Who knows? Left tibia, left palm, uh, medial aspect of left arm. Yeah. The blood from nose, torn skin on his right forearm, a fractured frontal bone. Ooh. Was suggested that that fracture came from a blunt object. <laughs> um, autopsy states oh, that he lost coordination after he was hit in the head, and it was determined that he died of hypothermia. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> they were um, trying to get back to camp. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Um, they weren't able to find anyone else, but did the autopsies on the ones they had found, and they all died of hypothermia. Yeah. Um, now, are we going to stop here, or do you think you can blast through the other four? Oh, no, that's not going to happen. Okay. We should probably stop here. This might well, be a free there's, uh, there's a lot to talk about with the other four, so... There is. The other is. four are when it starts oh, to get really creepy, real weird, and nasty, yeah. and gross, yeah. and icky, yes. and it, yeah. it gets it gets rough. Yeah, awful, awful. Yeah. Oh man, that's just making me want to go back and watch the Josh Gates episodes. Because <laughs> I I'm, still have watch those yet yeah i, I got that far off of just the diot love pass website yeah there's a I, lot of there's a lot you know, there's a lot to talk about it's amazing how much is not is known for what all we don't know uh-huh and like, we're i found some stuff that i didn't even really know yeah. so yeah it gets really crazy. There's Did a camera it? that yeah, shows up that uh, Yuri Yudin didn't know about. Shit's getting crazy. Oh my god, really? Yes. Wait, 
Yes, there's a camera. I, I mean, I knew there was a camera because there's famous. There are very two very famous pictures. Yes, out of that camera, but I didn't know Yuri. You didn't know about it. Holy uh, shit! Someone coming up is found with a camera that Yuri you didn't did not know about. Ooh, he knew about the Ooh. other ones. He Ooh. did not know about. Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh dear. <laughs> okay. But tune in to the next episode to hear about that. Um yeah, I'll be doing that because yeah. Well yeah, you're also my co-host. Yeah, I have obligation. Still, if I didn't, I'd still be tuning in because this is this is just so it's so like it's so frustrating. Like it's fascinating but frustrating mm-hmm. at the same time. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. All right. That okay, was great. Well, that was great, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm glad I did not disappoint. Oh no. Well, I knew you wouldn't, but I enjoyed it hugely. <laughs> and also I'm freaking I'm freaking out a little bit because I'm like, holy shit, there's some shit going on already. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have an email. Yeah. Write us. We're lonely. Yeah. Creepykentucky at gmail.com. And we have a Twitter and yes, Instagram. We do. And those are both at Creepy Kentucky. Oh, I forgot to tell you. I was at Kroger the other day trying to pay a bill. Uh-huh. And I was talking to, like, the guy was explaining why he couldn't do anything and he picked up his like little you know thermosy cup thing mm-hmm. and he had a sticker of Nadia on it <laughs> ah! and I was like Nadja <laughs> Nadja yeah alright when is July it can't come soon enough no July the whatever yeah the whatever yeah Season oh. four. Yay, I'm so excited. What we do in the shadows. I'm kind of curious how they're going to like <laughs> continue it from where yeah. we left it at season three. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, we'll see though. Uh, who are okay. we going to what the hell? Oh, I, well, well, I would say Putin, but we'd probably turn up dead. Oh uh, uh, yeah, just do so Russia. <laughs> Russia, just Russia, just all of Russia, <laughs> all of Russia. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. All of Russia. Okay, one, two, three. All, all of, of Russia. Russia. What the, the hell? Hello. <laughs> Welcome to Creepy Kentucky. I'm Quinn. And I'm Laura. Is there anything we would like to talk about before we get back to our creepy world episode? Um, no, I got nothing. Me neither. Okay. Cool. So where we left off, we were discussing the various ways that these hikers were discovered. Um, yeah. We had found five of them. Yes, right? we're still missing. And we're still missing four. 
Correct. And they all have different, I mean, they have in some ways similar injuries and in some ways not. It's very odd. Right. Now, nothing really happened much in way of discovering of bodies until May when a Monsi man and his dog found some cut up branches that formed a trail. Oh. So they followed this trail and about 50 meters from the cedar tree they found black sweatpants um, the right leg of which had been cut off with a knife. They found mm-hmm. some cedar branches. Okay. And a young fir tree that didn't have a top on it. Okay. And there was also the left half of a woman's sweater with no oh. sleeve. Weird. Right. Um, so they suspected that the remaining four hikers had made a den from the cedar in a ravine hidden from the cold. But the weird thing is, no knife was ever found. Okay. Would have cut the. Yeah, branches. exactly. Um, so the next body that they found was Ludmila Dubinina. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, let me. Find my thing here on Miss Luda. I thought I had my notes in better. Thirteen. Okay. She was found wearing a short sleeve shirt, a long sleeve shirt, two sweaters, uh, one of which belonged to Krivonchenko. Mm-hmm. Which tested radioactive. Mm. Uh, underwear, long socks, two pairs of pants. The outer pair had been damaged by fire and it was ripped. And it seemed like she had cut her sweater in half and wrapped it around her left foot. Uh, her injuries included. <clears throat> She was missing soft tissue around her eyes, eyebrows, the nose of her, uh, the bridge of her nose. She had a partially exposed left cheekbone. Hmm. There were damaged tissues around the left temporal bone. And my one of my least favorite facts about this whole story: yeah, she was missing her eyes. Oh God. And- her nose was broken and flattened. Oh, God. She was missing the soft tissues of her upper lip. Oh, dear. And there were exposed teeth and an exposed upper jaw. Oh. She was missing her tongue. Oh. Uh, she had four broken ribs on the right side. Oh, God. And six broken ribs on the left side. Wow. There was a hemorrhage in the left atrium of her heart oh. and a bruise in the middle of her left thigh. She had been laying on a, le- on a ledge with water and her mouth was open. So her autopsy simply says that the tongue was missing. 
Yeah. Oh, they they think it was the water that took her tongue off. But I don't think so. Uh, I mean, okay. Right. That seems odd. Right? Wow. Um... She was missing hypoglossal muscle, which is the piece under the top back of the tongue. Uh-huh. That like stringy piece that holds it in. Yeah. yeah. That's she was missing that. Uh, uh, and she was missing muscles from the floor of the mouth. Oh. Uh. They discovered 100 grams of mucosal mass, which was dark red, in her body, which means she was probably alive when her tongue was removed. Great. Because there was that stuff in her stomach. Just great. Yeah. Um, Her cause of death was actually not listed as hypothermia. Oh, okay. But listed as hemorrhage into the right atrium, fractured ribs, and internal bleeding. Okay. Yep. Uh, the next one that they found was Semyon Zolotaryov, who was found wearing two hats, a sweater, skiing pants, a scarf, a coat, socks, a short sleeve shirt, underwear, leather shoes, a long sleeve shirt, and two pairs of pants. On him, they found newspapers, some yeah. coins, okay. a compass, a camera, which is the one that Yuri Yudin was not aware of. Uh, and he was also holding a pen. In one hand and a notepad in the other. The notepad was never filed into evidence. Okay. When it, they were first oh. discovered, uh, Colonel Ortyukov picked it up and said, quote, he's written nothing. End quote. Uh, well, Colonel, what's your face? <laughs> I beg to differ. Right. <laughs> Now he, <laughs> I was... beg, I beg to take that uh, notepad and do the little uh, like the shade thing on it. Yeah, the <laughs> on it. Yeah. Now his injuries, he was missing his eyeballs. He Ooh. was missing soft tissue on the left eyebrow, which was exposing bone. He had an open wound on the right side of his skull. And five broken ribs on the right side. Ew. I Yeah. I didn't get what his cause of death was, but I hope they hypothermia. don't say it was hypothermia. Let's just go with hypothermia, because that seems to be their favorite. It, it, I think it is. Um, the next one found was Alexander Kolotov. And he was found wearing a sleeveless shirt, a long sleeve shirt, a sweater, the waistband of which tested as radioactive. Okay. A fleece sweater, 
a ski jacket, which was unzipped and damaged. He was wearing shorts, a light sock on the right foot, um, ski pants, light pants, canvas pants, okay, woolen socks that were damaged from, the, from a fire, okay, and three more socks on the left foot. The lower part of the trousers also tested radioactive. Yeah. So on him, okay. I I have a question. Okay. Uh, so did they test? And you probably you I mean you might be not be able to answer this because I don't know if anybody. But did they test all the clothes for radioactivity, and just some of them were radioactive? I or think was so. It, was it a case of like we tested some clothes? They were all radioactive we quit testing them kind of the yeah yeah. I'm not sure I feel like they tested all of them kind of the COVID if we don't test people for COVID then no one has COVID (laughs) right situation um if we don't test people for radioactivity there was no radioactivity exactly so I don't yeah that's I don't know. I've never heard. Right. I it didn't even say on the website I used, so I do not know. Weird. Very the whole thing is so weird that I wouldn't put it past them to have like started testing clothes, realized they were all radioactive and just been like, eh, we're gonna stop testing. Right. Uh, On him, they found a key, a safety pin, blank paper, two pill packages, one of which was soda, the other was codeine, um, and a box of wet matches. Now, he was found in the same area as the other ones, the the past two, but he didn't have the same injuries oh as the others um okay he well also had no soft tissue around the eyes oh. he had no eyebrows okay. uh the skull bones were exposed there um oh. the base of his nose was flat uh. the nostrils were compressed <laughs> i do he not had an open wound behind his ear. Ooh. A deformed neck. What? That's all what it said was deformed what neck. What did they mean by that? Oh, dear. And diffuse bleeding in underlying tissues of the left knee. Okay. Um, they kind of explained the radioactiveness of the clothes away as being from camping lanterns because apparently at the time camping lanterns had thorium which is a slightly radioactive naturally occurring metal Mm -hmm. Uh, they were perfectly safe to use but they did emit alpha particles but I I don't see how like you know they spilled some of the camping lantern 
stuff on their clothes, but yeah, like, really. I don't know. That seems um, right. Yeah, I don't. I yeah. I mean, they would have had to have been like right next to that. It sounds like they would have had to have been right next to that lantern all the time. Right. Like for days and days and days and days. And they hadn't been on the hike for that long. No. But they had been. They they were missing for a while, but they were dead. mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. They also explained the missing soft tissue and stuff um, from decomposition. And the water made it decompose faster. Animal and also scavengers, but yeah. why would a scavenger uh, just eat a tongue? Yeah, you know, when it has nice, juicy fingers, right? There were other it. pieces that yeah. they could have eaten nice, juicy fingers and boobies and things like that, right? Ooh, boobies. <laughs> I mean, if I were a predator, that's what I'd go for first. Same here. Um, um, they probably taste pretty good. I'm, I'm sure they do. I, mean, I think we found out. A, good, I think so. we found out a lot about us. <laughs> <laughs> now the final body they discovered was Nicolay Thibodeau Brignol. Uh, it was suggested that he and Zolotaryov were outside at the tent of the tent when shit went down. Because they were both wearing shoes and multiple layers of, of clothes. Um, so he was found wearing a canvas fur hat, a wool hat, a shirt, a wool sweater, which was inside out, a fur jacket on sheepskin, underwear, sweatpants, cotton pants, ski pants, Wool socks, felt boots, which were called Valenki, which were perfect for the cold. And on him, they found wool gloves in his right coat pocket, three coins, a comb, and pieces of paper. He also had two watches. One had stopped at 814, the other at 839. And his injuries included multiple fractures to temporal bones that extended Ooh. to the frontal and sphefnoid, esphoid, esphenoid, I don't know, bones. Um, I'll post that skull diagram that I sent you on our Instagram cool. for our listeners to see what the hell I'm talking about. Um. He had a bruise on his left upper lip and hemorrhaging on the lower forearm. Mm. The autopsy determined that this much damage had to have come from a massive fall. It was a fracture that could only have been caused by the same impact as a high-speed car accident. Jeez Louise. Or if he was thrown fell and hit, and hit his head on the ice or rocks. Yeah. Um, now we're going to get into some of the theories. 
Because that's about all they had to go on on the bodies. Um, so here we go. Uh, they quickly closed the case by saying it was an avalanche. Yeah. Uh, which they still are trying to say it is. Yeah. But that a lot of the- people... That was the new theory. That was the quote unquote new theory that just came up. Right. Ooh, an avalanche. We went over that in the 50s. And I was like, nah. But okay, whatever. Yeah. Well, actually, at first, they tried blaming a Monsi tribesman. Yeah. That attacked and killed them all. Right. The Monsi are are just mean people, they were saying. Oh, yeah. Or that that land was sacred. Yeah, or they don't like, they don't like strangers. They won't like strangers. Which is a lie. Um, The Monsi people are peaceful. Yeah. Those mountains were not sacred. Yeah. Um, And Boris... Uh, I don't want to even try to pronounce that last name. Uh, Boris was uh, one of the doctors who performed the autopsies. Yeah. Uh, And he said that the injuries could not have been inflicted by a human because uh, both the lack of soft tissue and the force required to inflict those injuries. Also, I didn't write it down, but I should probably mention it, maybe. That um, there was nothing done to the women, like they weren't assaulted at all, which they also point towards to say that there weren't people involved in it. Because clearly, if you attack a group of people and there's women, you're going to rape them. You're going to rape them, yeah. Good lord. Oh my god. I I don't know. that's, so when when the whole- I, that's when I honestly fear for humanity. Is shit yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, so also when- the the Mancy helped them look. Right. For them. So exactly. The Mancy definitely were not the type of people to go and kill them and then helpfully help them look for them. Yeah. So when that didn't go anywhere. That's when they came up with the story of a sudden avalanche. Ooh. They said that the sound woke them up and scared them out of the tent. And then they ran for the tree line. The avalanche could have also inflicted the wounds on the second group of people that they found. But there wasn't any, any evidence of there having been an avalanche. The locals even said... An avalanche there wouldn't make sense. Yeah, was, it wasn't that steep. No. And there like was you also can the see in the pictures it's not that steep. No, it, it wasn't. And there was also the fact that when the bodies were found, the tree line had no damage. Yeah. And there was no debris. Also, there have never been any recorded avalanches in that area. Oh, God. Well, and let's too. not forget that these were skilled hikers. Yeah. And they wouldn't make camp somewhere that would have been vulnerable. 
Yeah. But it explained it enough that people who didn't look too hard into it would believe it. Well, and there's pictures of them having found the tent. And the tent is not, was not under snow. snow. No. But I, it was an avalanche. Okay. okay. Hashtag was, not an avalanche. <laughs> it was it was sandhill cranes. <laughs> yep. It was owls. <laughs> Big snowy owls. Yep. So here are blah, here are some of the other theories that have been <laughs> tossed around. Um, there's the infrasound yeah. theory, which was yeah. uh, brought out by Donnie Icar in his 2013 book, Dead Mountain, The Untold True Story of the Deal of Pass Incident. Um, so, what the hell exactly is infrasound, you may ask? Well, I have an answer. Imagine a cylinder, kind of like a bucket or a pencil or Something like that. A Dr. Pepper can. A Bubbles can. Yeah. Just, and then you place that cylinder into some flowing water. What happens? The water just flows around it, obviously. But near where your cylinder is, the water slows down a little. And the water farther away is flowing faster which causes curls in the water called eddies. And it's basically the same thing with infrasound, with uh, air moving. Donnie says this happened in the past, and the infrasound drove the hikers to abandon the tent. I mean, okay, Donnie. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Um. Oh shit! I had more about the Monty. Okay, oh, well. let's back up and take a Monty. It's a Monty okay. moment. Yes. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, so the Monty idea came out about two weeks into the inf- investigation. Um. Their evidence, quote unquote, brought out by investigator Evengi, E V G E N Y. Evgeny. Evgeny. Yes. Evgeny. It's Eugene, but it's Evgeny. Evgeny. Okay. Uh, Evgeny Vladimirovich. That means his father's name was Vladimir. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, is that like son? It's a patronymic, yeah. Bitch, like Harris son. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they brought the evidence forward that they saw a Monsi chum, which is a tent, northeast of where the incident happened. They lied. And a trail led to the chum past 200 feet from the incident site. I don't believe it. No. <laughs> the Monty, <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. The Monty knew the area and could hide their tracks. Yeah. And the way the group died 
could match the MO of someone using, uh, of someone used to hunting down and killing animals. Uh, they said that the Monsi are secluded people who considered the area a hunting ground, so an altercation could have escalated. Also, no. Mm, no. It's literally called Dead Mountain because there's nothing there to hunt. Yeah. Uh, exactly. There are Monsi all over the murals. Yeah. Um... There was also a story of a geologist who was allegedly tied and thrown in the lake in the 30s. But as Amber Heard's lawyer would say, objection, hearsay. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, she would. (laughs) Well, and like there's been several uh, past TV shows. Mm-hmm. And you know, they never have any problem finding Mancy to talk to. So right. I don't know how secluded they actually are. Because I mean, I've seen plenty of Mancy without ever having had to go to Russia. So, so these are not as secluded as they yeah, are. Yeah, they're not that secluded. <laughs> but there's some things that don't quite add up here. Mm-hmm. Even if the geologist story was true. <laughs> There's been no crime there in three decades. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing had been taken. And there were no sacred places in the area either. Yeah. So. No. So much for that theory. Right. Yeah. No. Um, The next theory is a military test on radio sounds. Radio songs. Um, and this is brought up by a KGB veteran, a Federal Secret Service of Russia veteran, head of the faculty of the Military Medical Institute, and medical sciences candidate Vladimir Nagev wrote a trilogy that talked about the death of the Dyatlov group. He wrote they, quote, died while participating in a scientific experiment of national importance, end quote. Okay. Uh, he said that they um, were launching radio probes with a special purpose into unpopulated areas. Okay. Um, and these probes were a chloroprene shell of balloon and a gas with a short-lived radioactive isotopes uh, okay. five sulfur phosphorus okay now he theorizes it must have gotten hit by a meter meteorological rocket or several and the radioactive stuff spilled out 99 percent of hydrogen sulfide is gone from the body after only three to five minutes and the rest quickly decomposes so the coroner wouldn't have been able to see the toxic elements. But the okay. effects would have been seen in the organs. Now, what would those effects be, Quinn? You might ask. <laughs> Excellent question. question. <laughs> I have the answers. Um, pulmonary edema, 
expanding borders of the heart, mainly the right half, full organs, liquidy, dark blood. And as a result of this theory, radioactive gas filled the area of six meters, which is 20 feet, which is, and they delayed the search on purpose Mm -hmm. to let the uh, the half-life of Phosphorus 32 go through because it was a month and that matches two half-lives of Phosphorus 32. Okay. And that's all there is on that one. Huh. Our next theory is magic mushrooms. Okay. All yeah. right. And yes, oh, those kind no. of magic mushrooms. Um, fly agaric, which is the red with white spot mushroom, Mm -hmm. very stereotypical mushroom. Um, it is very toxic, but less so when it's dried out. Um, they sometimes hang it out to dry, sometimes in a sock over a fire, which could be where we get our stockings over a Fireplace for Christmas. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh. Because um, the website said the people who dry out the mushrooms often dress in red and white. Oh. Like the, like the mushroom. Uh-huh. And like a certain Mr. Claus who. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, sometimes that's still fascinating. Yeah. So this is gross, but fascinating at the same time. Coming up here. Uh, sometimes it was drank through reindeer pee. Mm-hmm. Because reindeer love these mushrooms. Okay. It gets them high. Uh so, this theory is from Svetlana Oss's book, Don't Go There. She speculates that some Kanti hunters had taken some agaric fly to get in the mood kill. Uh, they killed Rustem with a dynamic kick to the head. They jumped on the chests of Doroshenko, Dubinina, and Zolotaryov. They didn't use bullets so they could evade suspicion. They hid their tracks and cleaned up and made cuts themselves. Like the cuts on the tent themselves. Mm -hmm. Then forced everyone to strip. So she interprets infamous photo 17, the one everyone says is a Yeti. Right. As being a hunter that was following the hikers. Um, Or another side theory on the mushrooms is that the group accidentally or not accidentally ate the mushrooms and went crazy. All right. Yeah. Wow. Huh, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting theory. I hadn't heard that one. Some of these I hadn't heard of at all. Um, yeah, that was weird. That's, there's, I yeah. mean, oh, that's weird. Okay, sorry. Yeah. 
It's okay. okay. Um, the next theory is the Yeti. Yes. Um, yes. Now. Yes. The website I looked at didn't really give too much on the Yeti theory. No. I it mean, basically, it's, it's not to me very legitimate, but no, it's still my favorite just because it's Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> um, when they talked about the Yeti on the website, it mostly talked about the Discovery Show uh, oh, Russian Yeti, the killer oh, lives. Oh, yeah. You cannot. Uh, if you I cannot. talk about it, I mean, dump on it. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, they said they didn't talk Not to any actual uh, Russian historians. Yeah. And they really only based their Yeti claim on the one picture. Yeah. Which really does just look like a guy. Yeah. And then they also say that the missing tongue is <laughs> evidence of a Yeti as well. Yeah. Yeah, supposedly all the body injuries are are uh, evidence of that. Yeah. But, you know, know. it's yeah. A, whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever. Are you going to get to ancient aliens? Or are you going to get to aliens here sure, soon? Aliens are, the, uh, aliens are yeah. here. Yeah, but they're they're gonna be a minute. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the next one is a lightning strike, or okay. fall lightning, uh, which was pre- presented by Nigel Evans. So, fall lightning is an electrical, okay, atmospheric phenomenon. They're luminous, spherical objects anywhere. Oh, excuse me, anywhere from pea-sized to several meters in diameter. Um, here are is the evidence, quote unquote, that Nigel uses to support his claim of the lightning ball. Okay. So he says that they were looking up at looking at something in the sky because there were tent slits, there was a hot spot by the tent, and the camera was on a tripod. Ooh. The Mountie blamed the incident on orbs, and a reliable witness saw lights in the sky. Okay. He theorizes that a ball lightning, just think of a ball of lightning, the mm-hmm. name isn't too creative, flew by them and hovered over the hot spot. The crew ran from the tent because there's a fucking ball of lightning. Yeah. And then they all ran to the tree line, lit yeah. a fire, and waited for it to go away. Yeah. Now the two deaths at the trees... Um- I'm with you so far. Okay. Oh, it. You're about to lose me. Oh, I the know. The two deaths at the trees were Absolutely. then caused by an electrical event, either being struck by lightning or another ball lightning. Okay. Uh, which caused burnt hair, large burns, bling yeah. in the head, burnt clothing, right. pulmonary, pulmonary edema, and tree damage. Okay. Then the four died in the ravine because. Of another lightning ball. I guess mm-hmm. Zeus is really pissed off at these poor people or something. I guess. Uh, he says the ravine strike hit close to the den, which vaporized a lot of the water in the stream, a lot of snow and ice, which made an explosion that threw the ones in the den 
six to ten meters out, which is what caused all the blunt force injuries. Okay. Yeah. Then the last three died in two different groups. Uh, Rustem was severely injured, and Zenaida was helping him back to the tent. And both died on the way back. Igor Dyatlov stayed back with the four in the ravine because they were dying and weren't dead yet. Um, and he may have been the one to strip the clothes off the bodies at the cedar to help with insulation and later decided to abandon them probably after they died, I would hope. (laughs) And then he also died of hypothermia on the way back to the tent. This theory was apparently favored by police officer Lev Ivanov, who led the 1959 official inquest. But I'm not even going to say, like, I don't think it was lightning. Which, this next one is even worse. Yeah. Smoke from the stove. Oh, good. This theory suggests they ran from the tent to escape smoke from the stove. Okay. And then all just died from there. (laughs) Okay. Okay. It wasn't smoke. (laughs) No. No. Hashtag it wasn't smoke. I don't... Like, I... Like, if your tent starts smoking, you... Leave the tent and probably see if you can drag the thing that's causing the smoke out of the tent. Yeah, but you, you don't you think? run screaming to the trees, start trying to climb the trees, no, start trying to light a fire, start digging a hole in the ground so you can have a little cave <laughs> and try no. to eventually make it back there and die on the way. Yeah, no, you don't do that. So it was not smoke. Um, The next theory is gravity fluctuation. Okay. Uh, This um, is brought (laughs) out by a PhD in physicist, German Irchenko, who theorizes they were in an area that the force of gravity can fluctuate. He believes that the decreased external pressure threw them out of the tent and the pressure from that caused the injuries. Sure. Okay. Okay. All Um, right. Whatever. (laughs) Another theory is kabotic wind, which is also called gravity wind or fall wind. Okay. And it's wind that carries high density air and can potentially gather enough force to be as strong as a hurricane. Oh, okay. So, that's another possibly no possibility. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's another theory of a Wolverine. Okay. No, not the X-Men oh. character. It was I'm not Hugh Jackman. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> um, this theory says that a Wolverine tried to get into the tent and the hikers tried to chase it out by hitting it with shit. Uh, Krivonshenko had a broken light filter on his camera and there were scratches on the case of Slobodin's cameras and torn strap 
Oh, I'll just open his camera. Hmm. So it tried to get out and gets tangled in the tent's tarpaulin. Okay. It then got scared and sprayed its defense spray. Because oh, apparently wolverines are like skunks. Oh, great. And, and spray. So it sprays and chaos ensues because um, it smells so bad in the tent. And someone ultimately makes the decision to cut the tent so they can all escape and make it to the trees to make a fire. One of them ditches the top layer of their clothes because of the smell. Um, I'm also not going to go into why that probably didn't happen, but I don't think it was a wolverine. No. Um, the next theory is methanol poisoning. Oh, I can't wait. Um, methanol poisoning causes decreased consciousness, poor coordination, vomiting, abdominal pain, bad breath, decreased vision, kidney failure, and death. Sounds lovely. Yes. And it would probably explain um, the cutting from the tents from the inside because they couldn't see that well. Walking down the slope slowly, like they were all holding hands because they couldn't see. Um, Cutting branches when there were dry ones right there. Again, because they couldn't see. Um, and high urine levels in the bladder hmm. would be because of the kidney failure. Yeah. And there are three theories on how they were poisoned. Okay. One, it spilled over the pass from an aircraft that was transporting it. Two, it was used as a fuel source to cook food. And three, they drank it thinking it was alcohol to warm up. Oh. That's sad. Yes. Ah, the next theory. I'm going to just run through these and finish it because I don't have much left. like that actually happened on the Queen Mary, I think. Really? Yeah, some some guy drank some kind of poison thinking it was alcohol and it was some kind of poison and he died. Oops. And that kind of sounds like that. But I yeah. feel like I feel like if you're a level two hiker and you're trying to be a level three hiker, you're probably gonna label stuff pretty well. Yeah. I would think so. Okay. Okay. The so, next theory is a fight broke out between them. Oh that would explain they, they loved people. People were yes. loved. So no, not it was yeah. not a fight. Um, Arctic hysteria. Okay. Which causes disorientation, losing track of time, not feeling cold, and walking in a trance. Again, I doubt it. Uh, This one is pretty much just for Dubinina and Zolotaryov. This theory suggests that just those two were run over by a snowmobile. What? Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh shit! You know what? I didn't really write anything down about UFO. 
but well, we'll, we'll talk about it. it. We we'll can come up with our there. own. It may have been UFOs. It probably wasn't. It probably if wasn't, you, but there's the one picture. Ancient, let me just say, if you watch Ancient Aliens, it was. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it is a possibility. It's They talk about this on Ancient Aliens in the same episode that they talk about Aoki Gahara Forest. Oh, okay. So it's actually kind of an interesting episode if you leave off the part about the aliens. <laughs> it's yeah. actually pretty interesting. Because it's, um, it's titled something like Aliens and Evil Places or something like that. Oh. And it's all about how these um places that have like really sinister reputations also have a lot of ufo sightings which apparently this place does okay so anyway aliens aliens yeah um the next theory that they were mistaken for gulag fugitives Ooh. yeah um CIA agents is another theory. Um, It was introduced by Alexei Rakuten in his book, Dyatlov Pass. Okay. It suggests that Zolotaryov, Kolitov, and Krivonchenko were all KGB agents. Okay. And they were on a mission to uncover a cell of CIA agents. Okay. And also to deliver some radioactive samples. Okay. Cool. Something went wrong, and the CIA agents killed the whole group. Whoa. Now, the last theory is the Seems one... Harsh. A little bit. <laughs> now, this is the one that I kind of lean most towards believing. It's the most believable to me. And that is the special forces theory. Yeah. It suggests that the hikers accidentally discovered a military <laughs> testing area oh. and were either killed by the soldiers or oh. ran from the tent because they were hearing explosions. Um, the military may have been using the area to test R-12 rockets. One of them may have crashed and malfunctioned, which the hikers saw. Yeah. So the troops forced the hikers from the tent. Um, they suggest that Rustem put up a fight um, and was hit real bad in the head. Um, Zena was probably also killed in the scuffle. The rest of the group left to go try to hide and, you know, light a fire to survive. Yeah. Which... Finding a fire kind of defeats the purpose of hiding. Hiding, yeah, exactly. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, the troops saw the group and went after them. Krivonchenko climbed up a tree to hide, and he was biting his hand to keep quiet, which was why they found the bit of hand in his mouth, you know? Mm-hmm. The gray foam on Doroshenko was from a great pressure to his chest. Mm-hmm. So that could have been done by people stomping on him. Yep. Uh, the troops then went into the woods looking for the rest of the hikers while the hikers started to head back for the tent. 
Well, on the way back, they saw their dead friends, took the clothes, and spread them out amongst each other. Uh, Dyatlov, Slobodin, and Komorgova tried to climb the mountain, but died. They froze to death. And the other four went back to the den. And their deaths were more sloppy because the troops were tired, cold, hungry, and pissed off to still be out there looking for these motherfuckers. Mm. Well. I also heard somewhere once that um, one of the things they would do in interrogations is like pull your tongue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They would remove your tongue. Which would explain the blood mm-hmm. in her stomach yeah. and that and her tongue having been removed while she was still alive. Yeah. In 2021, the hypothesis of a slab avalanche was brought forward and they really wanted everyone to accept this as yeah. the definitive answer. I don't. But, but okay. it was not. <laughs> it was not. <laughs> so, in closing, the mystery of Diatla Pass is and probably will remain just that a, a mystery. Yes. Yeah. The end. Oh, I'm so glad you did that. I'm glad I did too. That was fun. Hold on. I can't get my. Hold on. Can you hear that? Yes, I can. Oh, good. Because you deserve <laughs> it. <laughs> that was because you deserve it. That was a lot, mm-hmm. and it's rough too. Because it's it, like people are dying. People are dead. They've died. Hor- they've clearly died horrible deaths. Like mm-hmm. it's very, it's very, it's very upsetting. Very upsetting. So, although I will we- say the body, the body count on this is the same as the body count on the bitter blood murder. So. <laughs> Very true. Um, it's just more um, spread out with the bitter blood murder. Slightly. And there's two less child deaths in this one than bitter blood. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. We have an email. We do. It's creepykentucky at gmail.com. It is. And we also have a Twitter and, and an, an Instagram. Instagram. And, that and is those are both at Creepy Kentucky. At Creepy Kentucky. Yeah. Um, who are we going to, what the hell? Oh, I don't know. Um, I still go with all of Russia. Okay. <laughs> I mean, let's face back. They still deserve it. Yeah, they still do. So, okay. <laughs> Three, two, one. All, All of, of Russia. Russia. What? What the, the hell? Hell. Absolute hell. <laughs>